Well, hey guys, welcome to uh, today's episode of Crossroads Conversations. We have Pastor Robert hey. here with us today, and uh, we just we wanted him to talk to us and tell us a little bit more about his story, where he is in his life journey right now. Last week, we Robert Harmon and I talked about seasons of life. We're in a a pivotal turning point in our life at Crossroads and Robert and Pam's life. And Robert, we just wanted to kind of hand it over to you and yeah. just talk to us about your life. Well, um, wow, that is a... <laughs> I kind of had a moment right there where I was like 85 telling the young kids today about my life, you know, when you said that. Um, but I'm not 85. I'm 53. And sometimes I go, how in the world am I 53? I feel like I'm 25. So you're already over the hill. I know. I'm over the hill. Thanks, hit, Robert. I appreciate that. You're going that. down the hill now. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully not. Actually, I'm going up. Well, I'm going we're up. Going the, up. We're going up. We're going up. I'm going up north. You know what? It, still ain't, ahead. it ain't going to be the Robert and Robert show anymore. It's That's just going right. to be Robert and Ricky now. Well, it's Richard now. I don't know if you know. Thank you. He I heard it last his week. Name. He's That's going right. by Richard, y'all. So if y'all see Ricky, well, I, if he slaps you in the head, I'm sorry if you say Ricky. But if to you clarify, say Richard, I'm not changing my name. I'm going with my authentic name. There what do you, you think, Pastor Robert? Let's hey, keep this on on Pastor Robert. <laughs> Let's keep the focus on him. All, I'm just going to see what it's he's all good. About. It's all good. So it's all about Jesus. That's right. We uh, wow. So to think about it, it is quite a story. Um, the first time I ever thought about being a pastor, I was, first of all, you, you, you need to remember I was in youth ministry. That was my target goal. That's what I did my doctorate in. That's what I thought I would be doing was youth ministry. And I thought I would be a um, kind of a youth ministry consultant, a youth ministry guru type, travel, speak, lead, train, all of that sort of thing for youth pastors. Um, kind of what we know as what Scooter was doing here in Alabama for so long. Um and I thought I would be doing that for the rest of my life. Well, I was in a meeting, and I literally heard the Holy Spirit in that still, small voice release me from youth ministry and say that I would be a pastor. And I was in shock, and the Lord used some very special people in God's Word to lead me to um, be open to that position. I thought um, probably six or seven years before that, there was a moment where I considered going and getting my doctorate, um, probably in around 2006 or 2005, and and thought about going into the pastorate. Like it was a serious thought. It was a I was talking with some other pastors at, at a revival, and actually some from New Orleans Seminary, and I thought about that direction and stayed in youth ministry, kept going down the road, changed churches, actually moved from. Uh, Mississippi in a church there for, to Calvary Baptist in Tuscaloosa. And I was there until 12, and in 2012 was when I felt the Lord calling me um, to pastor. I was a little frustrated, to be honest, because um, I'd received my doctorate, and I'd done all the things that the Lord had kind of told me to do. And um, so I was kind of mad at God for not already putting me by May, by the time I graduated, Um into a church and I can remember that feeling of you know frustration with God on that and then I also felt that there was a 
um, rebuke from God saying, you've forgotten to be content in your ministry where you are right now Mm. because you're looking for something else. And so the summer of 2012, we started really doing youth ministry again. Um, We had certainly backed off with our enthusiasm and uh, work ethic and all of those things. Well, we cranked it up uh, that summer when we were having kids over the house, discipling them and even over other houses. And I mean, there were moments in time during that summer where I was gone to a particular meeting. Pam was taking our two boys to another home for discipleship groups. And there were juniors and seniors in my home cooking Rotel or whatever else by themselves with nobody that lived there, even in the home, you know, uh, they were just having fun and, uh, Pam was gone. I was gone coming back, you know, for our Bible study that I was leading with the juniors and seniors, but just not there yet. So, um, the, uh, the opportunity, um, to really dive into youth ministry was there, did a bunch of mission trips, did a bunch of other, other great things. Super summer Alabama was going strong at that time. And, um, we just were were head over heels in it again. I was teaching a youth ministry uh, track at Shaco that August, and there was this guy that a lot of the Mount Hebron people will know uh, named Phil Winningham, and Phil was uh, in there teaching a session next door to me, and the Lord had kind of prompted me to bring some resumes to the summit, which was at Shaco um, at that time, and I took 10 resumes, and the very first conversation I had was with Phil, and he said, hey, I need your resume. And because I told him what was going on with me and that I felt like God was calling me to pastor, and he said, I need your resume. I know where you're going. And Phil's a real direct guy, and, you know, he's real, he's real assured himself and, and makes you feel that way too. And so I kind of chuckled because other people had told me that along the way, and nothing happened, of course. And um, But Phil was a guy that, like, he wasn't around for small talk. Like Phil was, Phil was an encourager and uh, a great preacher and that sort of stuff. But to hang out and talk, he usually would just be too busy and on the go and stuff like that. So I gave him my resume. We had this conversation. And then I went to supper um, off campus with some friends, some other buddies. And um, we went out to the Mexican place, hanging out, to come back. I come back, and Phil's standing there waiting for me outside the building, which was very unfeel-like, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's usually getting ready for his thing that he's teaching and everything. Well, he was waiting on me, and he said, um, he said, listen, they're going to call you on Monday. And it's Mount Hebron Baptist Church West. The guy's name is Terry Mullins, and they're going to call you, and um, they're going to talk to you about being their next pastor. I said, man, you're crazy. That's not even going to happen. He said, trust me, it's going to happen. And sure enough, it happened. And so Terry called me on Monday. We talked for probably an hour or so. Um, told him I was definitely interested, and we were we were excited about it. And um, then I had a I wanted to talk to I wanted to know more about the church. And he said, what you need to do is call Jane. So I called Jane Barrett on Thursday. Jane and I had probably a three-hour conversation, and I would say from that moment on, it was clear that we were going to come to Mount Hebron Baptist Church West. Um, I was at a meeting at the state board, uh, which was in South Montgomery at the time near the Baptist Hospital, and I had the opportunity to drive up and check out the church and everything like that. Well, 
back then it was uh you know early early stage of your map on your iPhone and everything and your navigation system on there and it took me up the little dirt road uh, across from the Chevron and um, then the dirt road by the side of the cemetery over here that's how it brought me to the front of the church it didn't take me through the highway to the there were gates at the time at that time down there they didn't take me through the big brick gates they took me through the dirt road and through the dirt cemetery road and then I drive into the church and I just remember going where has God got me going y'all listen i i mean i was in tuscaloosa yeah call it hoity-toity uppity if you want to but i was down the street from nick saban and literally half a mile was Publix, and i was right there in the middle of where we wanted to be and everything was great and i'm driving up the cemetery road you know to see where god's calling me and um it was wild man it was crazy um i got to that i remember driving up and i looked at it and i said god i'll do whatever you want I said, I'll go wherever you want me to. Now, remember, guys, I'm across the street at my church from Bryant-Denny Stadium at the University of Alabama every day. That's where I work is Calvary, Tuscaloosa. And now I'm going to, to me, the middle of nowhere, and I'm driving up by a cemetery, and there's my church. So they want none of this. Well, no. yeah, yeah, this building was here. Um, but, you know, it was just a different world. And I just said, God, I, I'm in. I'll do what I'll do what you tell me to do. But you will tell my wife and my children cuz I'm not telling them. And y'all look, by the time I got home, that was 2 hours away. By the time I got home, Pam came out to meet me. She knew I'd come by the church. She had tears in her eyes and she said, "God just told me that we're going to that church." Wow. Okay. Well, that's cool. That's a true yeah. story. That's a true story. And because uh, we had the little glass um, and little steps down into our garage, and she was standing there with tears in her eyes, and she said, the Lord has told me we're going to that church already. And I said, well, okay, you answered that prayer, you know, and um, took a little bit more convincing with Hudson and Nick, and um, years down the road, they would have never traded the time at Mount Hebron and Crossroads. Uh, they loved it here. Um, How old were they at that time? It was tough. It was tough. Nick was in seventh grade, and it, and we came in the Ooh. Ooh, the rough. middle of the school year. Oh, that's okay. Rough. Seventh grade. Boy. So, wow. But he was our baby. That's prime time. Like now, what about how, how about one? this? How? Hudson was in ninth grade. Wow. Oh. Okay. Ooh, that's brutal. In in the middle of ninth grade. Yeah. And it was not good. And he went from Northridge High School, which was a brand new facility, state of the art wow. facility, to Stanhope, which is fine and everything. It was just so radically different. Stanhope was in all the little different buildings and stuff. And so for him, it was a different, different world. Culture and shot. oh, yeah. I mean, when your ninth grade son is crying himself to sleep every night, that's terrible. That, that makes a dad go, God, um, are you sure about that we make the right choice here? And wow. so. Yeah. We pressed on. Um, Pam, uh, the next year, got a job teaching um, at uh, Holtville, and um, we'd already decided Hudson and Nick together. Nick had started out at PCA, at Prattville Christian. Well, they both ended up there, and um, it was just the best decision for us at that time. Um, we, You know, when we moved here, we didn't really know a lot about the community, the area, the schools, all that sort of stuff. And so we just kind of did what we felt the Lord leading us to do. And we took a we took a gamble with taking Hudson out of Stanhope and putting him to, like enrolling him in PCA because we didn't know how we were going to pay for it. And then Pam got a job, and so that was a blessing and and really helped with that. So, um, looking back, man, what an incredible story to get here. But once we got here, the the people were so wonderful. Uh, the people of 
of Mount Hebron, you know, was a 170-year-old church at that time, and um, there were a lot of people who'd been here 80-plus years that that had been at this church that long. And um, God began to really create this synergy on what he wanted to do in the future. He had used predecessors of mine, like Steve King and um, um, Pastor Clements and others, you know, that had preceded me to do some great things. Steve, of course, was part of the big building with the, the um, fellowship hall and the um, preschool and children's wing, and that was important. Um, he really, it was really served an incredible purpose doing that building because I think if if they had not have done that building, then that church probably wouldn't have existed like it did when I came. And then I was able to come and God gave me a lot more vision about renovations and ministry and mission. And that's and, what I wanted to get into, the renovation when you pulled sure, up. Sure, sure. What did God lay on your heart to do Well, besides getting people to come to this church? What did he do? What did you see in your vision for the change of the church? Well, the big change was about discipleship. It wasn't about a building. And mm-hmm. it was that we were going to be a culture that made disciples of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's what, you know, a lot of people would tell you, well, you did this change, you did that change, you made these hard changes. Yeah, but the real change was in the culture, and we just started making the change. There's a great phrase I love that says you don't announce the revolution, okay? Uh, you don't. You don't say, hey, we're going to make all these changes. You just start loving on people, and you start leading. And so what I started doing was trying to take this church like I would a youth ministry, and we just started discipling the people. And it started with our staff. We started discipling our staff. We went through some great things like I am a church member. We actually flipped the Sunday school and worship hour um, early on, and there were some that loved it. There were some that didn't love it at all. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you when you change things, people don't love stuff, you know. Um, I expect for some things to change hopefully in great ways when I leave. And I, I expect that to happen because that's the only way that you can grow. I mean, think about it. A caterpillar doesn't become a butterfly unless it changes. Well, that's what me and uh, Richard was talking about today when we do our Bible studies and we get that good cinnamon roll down there, which I know you're going to miss that cinnamon I'm roll. I'm going to miss it. We was talking about changes of the church. You come in here and you change the church. You discipled everybody. God sent all the right people here, just like he did the the people that was following God. And now they're healthy. They're great ministers of God, and we're going to be a healthy church. I believe blessings is the next phase. Of Change this is just needed because right. we're not in heaven yet. That's we're right. not perfect. That's we right. have not attained. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says that God has given... Apostles, evangelists, teachers, and pastors for for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry until we reach full maturity, which is Christ likeness. And so, that's that's what that's what you're saying is yes. the culture shift and the change is is towards Christ likeness. Yeah. Ultimately. Literally, it's not my job to do all the work. Literally, it's not my job to do much of the work. It's my job to train and equip the saints to do mm-hmm. the work, to do the ministry of the gospel. Amen. And so Amen. Um, that's any one of our called pastors, Richard and Brandon and Greg, that's the call. 
that's the call for them to equip the saints to do the ministry of the gospel. So if you're mad at Greg for not doing all the kids' ministry, point that finger back at yourself and go, what am I doing in kids' ministry? You know, if you're upset because, you know, so-and-so youth got mad at so-and-so youth and, and you're saying it's Brandon's whatever, say, no, no, no. Brandon is training and equipping the adult ministers to do, to do the lay ministers to do that ministry. You know, that's one thing I will say that I've seen with, with Richard. Brandon, they're grooming people. They're doing like you did. You took them, you groomed them, and now they're grooming. Well, it's more, it's more than that. It's literally, Jesus calls it making disciples. Yeah. Like you are literally discipling, you are making disciple makers is what you're doing. Mm. And so all the great things that happen in the church, that's the reason one of the great changes, this is a hard change that we made here at the church, okay? But we started letting people baptize people that were a part of their life, okay? It means so something. if if I disciple you, if I led you to the Lord, if I'm a part of that process in your life, then according to Matthew 28, it's not only a, a honor that you have to baptize, it's a responsibility. Like, go and make disciples, baptizing them, you know? And so we, you know, got away from... It can only be an ordained minister doing that. Where does that say that in the Bible? That's not in the Bible. So one of the big cultural changes about Crossroads that I absolutely love and am so proud of is that we try to live according to God's Word. Like, we may not have all the answers. We may have to go back and have a meeting or a conversation or a talk, but we want to live according to God's Word. See what God's Word says and then do that. And that's critically important. Uh, of, of the DNA of who Crossroads is. So one of the obvious big changes as we went along was the name change. Um, we could talk about the name change, you know, for, for probably 10 podcasts. Um, but the essence of the name change was um, about two years before it happened, um, God started, maybe two and a half years, God started challenging me in my quiet time, in my journal that that was something that needed to happen. No idea how to do that. How do you do that? I mean, that's where pastors lose their jobs. That's where churches just get really upset about stuff. And especially a church as old as ours and as, um, you know, trenched into the community and area. And, but we believed that God wanted to do something. Our staff even had a few conversations, but then one of our senior adults was in a staff meeting. He was our Buell Harms, our pastor, uh, discipleship emeritus, and he said, "Hey, uh, it's about a, this is about 13 months before because I had documented all this in my journal, but said um, I think God may want us to change our name, and that was kind of the Kairos moment for everybody, kind of the aha moment in our staff meeting that we're going to press forward with this and see what happens. So um, I was reading a lot of Mark Batterson at the time. Still, he's one of my top five authors. I love Mark Batterson because he's a pastor and he's a visionary." Um, he sees things before they happen, and I love that. And um, that's he, he wrote a book called If, and basically what if, you know, instead of... Uh, you could look at the word if in a negative way uh, or in a positive way, and what we did was we put together this random group of people, the What If team, and there were about 20 people on that, and there that ranged from people who had just joined and moved to the community versus people that had been in the community for 60-plus years, and it was everybody in between. 
uh, male and female, just all these kind of random people, ages, you know, all that kind of stuff, and just some great disciples of Jesus on that team. And um, in that room that first night, we could have probably voted to change the name, and that was in February of 2018. Um, I think it was February 1, exactly. And the the meeting was so good, looking at strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, that immediately the, the team recognized the need for change, um, some hard change, you know, that affects things, affects the organism and organization. And um, so we uh, obviously did not do that that first moment. But we pressed on, and I was preaching a series uh, called Burn the Ships, and we're not going to look back. And uh, we used that illustration of Cortez, Hernan Cortez, and then also uh, Elisha the prophet, where Elijah's calling him, and he burns the plows and his oxen, and he's not going to go back and be a farmer anymore. Uh, he's going to go, and he's going to follow the call of God. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, and so that's what we were resolved to do, was we're not going back. We're burning the ships, and... Um, we're just not going to go back. And God literally, um, there were some things that might have been in the way, and God removed those things. And um, there were obvious people didn't like the change. And so um, it came down to the, the point of a, um, affirmation of this team and the decision to change the name to Crossroads Community Church. There were several ideas. We had lots of meetings and lots of things that led up to that point. And we tried, you know, we tried to make them as peaceful as possible. Some of them didn't turn out that way. You, you, you have some things that didn't want to go according to God's plan. And um, looking back on it, even as painful as losing some of your folks, you know, that, that wanted to leave or whatever, after that, uh, you see all of the people that God has brought to this church since then. Uh, we have had our largest number of new members just about every year. It just continues to grow um, for who God is bringing into this uh, fold, this Oikos, this faith family. Um, to stand, you know, usually I sit up front on services on Sunday morning to look around and see just the whole room filled up to where we're having serious conversations about adding a service, not because we think it's trendy or cool or the thing to do, but because we need to have the extra room uh, for more people to come and worship Jesus together. Um, that's a really awesome thing and only happened because we were faithful and obedient to make a hard change and, and follow through with that. Crossroads is a perfect name for this church. We have people from Eclectic to uh, Prattville. We have people from Montgomery to Marbury that are faithful members here. And so to see everybody in between, you know, Wetumpka and Millbrook to be a part of this church is so awesome. Um, to know that this church welcomes anybody. I mean, um, you know, we welcome people with uh, different personalities and, and experiences and socioeconomic levels and all that sort of stuff. You don't have to wear the right thing or look the right way or drive the right kind of car to go to this church. You just don't have to. And we want you to be a disciple of Jesus, follow him, and uh, want to have that desire. You know, that's kind of the thing that we push in our new membership class and all those things. So uh, it's a very exciting day. And, you know, I am looking back on it extremely grateful um, to God for calling me here. Um, I had some incredible opportunities in my past. I've served at incredibly small churches. And I've served in incredibly large churches. Um, I served in one of the largest churches in the Southern Baptist Convention when I lived in Nashville. And um, it, uh, this church has just been one of, I mean, it's, it's, 
been my family for 10 plus years. The longest church I served before that was six plus, and now we're almost tipping into 11 years here. And, um, you know, I never thought that would have happened. Part of the big process for me, the big change for me, is that God used crossroads to stretch me to um, leaving youth ministry. I was really connected to youth pastors and networking and encouraging and doing retreats, even with the ministers themselves and those things. And I missed that when I got here. And God said to start doing it with pastors. And so I started a group of pastors. We took them to North Carolina and had our first retreat with seven pastors, sat around uh, and did discipleship for a week. We didn't even know what we were doing. And Scott Kendig just took us through uh, life-changing shapes and matrices and rocked our world around good coffee in a fireplace and worship music and uh, the Bible and Jesus. And it was awesome. Life-changing for everybody in that room, for sure. And it started what's now Passion Tree. And, um, you know, so I had this opportunity to be a pastor in the local church, encourage and equip our team and staff, and do that same thing with our church, make disciples that make disciples. And I had the opportunity, by the blessing of our church, to start Passion Tree and use my conference time and energy for encouraging and equipping pastors, which has always been a passion, always been an ability, gift, whatever, of that um, that networker, that evangelist in that Ephesians 4 passage you were talking about, um, just being able to encourage other pastors. And um, so this year at our retreat in Gatlinburg, I really felt like God was calling me to pastor pastors to where it's verbal. I've written it down. Um, it was um, March the 6th of this year. I was looking at it yesterday. And I circled that passage last night and wrote in the prayer that, um, so from March 6th until September 1st, I will be going into this full-time role of pastoring pastors and networking churches for the ministry of the gospel. And I could not have been there without Crossroads. Um, You know, God did some neat things with Crossroads. He allowed me to disciple and mentor uh, Jeremy Jones and um, Kevin Boyer and even Jane Barrett to a point, but Jane, you know, she mentored all of us, and uh, as she as she retired, but to see them transition to their ministry positions now is so awesome, and what they're doing is amazing, and they're both disciple makers and they're encouragers, and um, and Jane is too for that matter. But then God called in this new team, you know, and um, we were able to hire and equip and encourage and disciple this new team of ministers that is probably in the long run going to be more effective and powerful than our our golden days you know five and six years ago where we made the changes and we had this these great guys on staff that were just so supportive of one another and just loved each other but now we've got some really talented people that are different personality types and um you know when when they learn to encourage one another just like like they're doing right now it's just so awesome to see how quickly they've become team members, you know, which takes a little bit of a time, you know, and that's been an awesome thing. And I think the, I think honestly, the best days are ahead as painful as that is for my ego, uh, to say, I really believe that with everything I have, I think the, the best days. So God has left this church here 180 years. He wouldn't have done it unless he had a plan. 
And because there have been lots of times where this church could have died, folded up and died, and it didn't happen. There was a resurgence. There was a a, a revitalization that took place, and uh, God's been doing that. And I, I think, honestly, the greatest days are ahead. So um, I look forward to seeing how that's going to play out. I know that um, where he's taken me and Pam is um, this new day for us. Um, you know, the theme, new day, it plays a lot in God's Word. He even says this, I'm doing a new thing. And uh, then in Revelation, it says that Jesus makes everything new. What a great, isn't that great? That's awesome. I mean, you think about your sin in your life, you think about your stuff in your life, and Jesus, he'll take all that and make it new and better and stronger and all that. And So God's got a way of doing things. You know, um, do I want to leave? No, not necessarily. Um, however, your spirit senses it's time to go, and your spirit senses that God's doing things, and so you know it's time. And I think I've known that for probably a year and a half, two years, and um, that it wouldn't be that much longer. You know, I didn't know what that looked like or anything like that. The wild thing about this particular ministry, I couldn't have um, drawn up the need or the place or the thing any better than God did. Um, I've had some longings in my heart to be uh, in a big city and in the opportunity of that big city. Uh, the office that I work in is right downtown in the largest and fastest growing city in Alabama, uh, in Huntsville. We're right on Governors, and basically we're on the corner of Governors and Whitesburg. We're more on Whitesburg, a couple of blocks off Governors. But you're looking at the hospital, you're right there downtown. And so I ask you, church, to pray for us because we've got a lot of work to do. Uh, there's some healing and some encouragement that needs to happen in the Madison Baptist Association. And I'm looking forward to that. What a great group of people. I mean, everybody that I've met there has just been unbelievable. The staff there is awesome, and they just want to do God's work. And so we look forward to that. Um, the days ahead here are going to be great. I want to close with this um, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And you guys know this passage. But I want you to think about this as far as when you're listening to God and He moves you and you have to be obedient to it. I mean, just to be candid, my life is really crazy right now. I mean, the kind of tipping points on exhaustion on the spiritual, mental, and physical points and phone calls from Nor from Huntsville area, phone calls from here, trying to sell a house and buy a house and, you know, Packers coming in, all that stuff, just crazy. It's just all going crazy. But yet, yeah, listen to this passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him, and he will make your paths straight. That is so powerful. And I got something I want to say to... Well, let, <clears throat> me, let me finish on this first. Okay. What else is there? Like, think about it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Your heart's going to want to go different ways, right? Your, your heart and mind's going to be pulled away from stuff and whatever. And God's telling you, nope. Slow down. Don't go there yet. Just trust in me. Trust in me. Just trust in me. Just you know? trust in you. Yeah. And so, if you want straight paths, if you want the clarity from God that we all want, you got to just put it down. You got to let Him do it. You got to trust Him. You got to acknowledge Him in all your ways, in all your stuff, and just walk mm -hmm. in Him. So, that's what my prayer is for Crossroads. That's what my encouragement is to Crossroads. Is that you put God's word where it's been for so long. 
front and center. And you just take that as the marching orders. And you just love God, love people, and make disciples. That's all you can do. You know, three years ago, I met you here at a funeral. And it seems weird, but God has got a connection with connecting me with great pastors and great friends and somebody I call a father. He always sends me a weird sign, and you started preaching on wrestling, talking about the TV in in Mid-South. Everybody get on their TV and watching it because the guy that, that passed away, he was a referee, a wrestling referee. And it really struck me, and I went to all these other churches, and it was right here in front of my face. Hmm. And I come here. And the biggest thing I ever felt was love, and that's because you took it and you discipled all these people. So we don't need to lose the loving on people. That's a great thing. But I also met a lot of new great friends, great pastors, and people that I would go to the ends of the earth for. And you're one of them. Mm. I felt like we've all become friends. we become buddies. I've got involved with the church. We're a member now. And we're not going nowhere. We're going to stick through this thing because I believe the next season is going to be the, the blessing of the church. And you're still going to be here in spirit. And if we got to load that bus up, I done told you, we come to Huntsville once a month, even though you won't <laughs> give me your address. No, uh-uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I love you, man. Hey, love you too, bud. Yeah, that's, that's great, Robert. Um, To recap, man, some of the, great things that were said um, of what we've just heard. So there's this thing called calling. God places a motivation in your heart, a fire in your heart yeah, to do a thing. And you may not understand it. You just know, I feel like God's moving me in this direction. And then you just try to trust him and try to move in that direction. And what happened in your ministry is throughout your 10 years, God has been moving you in the direction of being a pastor who pastors other pastors. And I think that's so awesome. And you've been doing that, and you knew in your heart, like, I think God's moving me in this direction. I just don't necessarily understand what that'll look like. And then all of a sudden, um, God gives you this opportunity, and it all lines up where you're able to to move into a season of, of being able to do that. Yeah. Um, Rob, pastor Robert is an encourager and I like to define encouragers in the kingdom of God as people who enable other people to do what they didn't know was possible. It's mm, good. So pastor Robert has that effect on people. He, he, he enables he them through his encouragement to do what they thought I could never do that Mm. thing, whether it's writing a book, going to school, starting a ministry, what you name it, people have dreams and desires that are from the Lord, but they may be scared to do it or feel like they're insecure, incapable or whatever. But God uses people that are encouragers to do that. And the amazing thing is um, God is going to, give you a ministry in the Madison County area, mm-hmm. the Huntsville area to, to motivate and equip. And, and you've said this before, but to encourage that pastor to go one more day, who's ready yeah, to give up. That's right. That's right. 
And um, thank you for sharing your heart today. Thank you for sharing the history of, of, of Crossroads Community Church and how I'd love to end this this podcast is just a, a time of prayer for you. I'll pray for you. Yeah. And Let me uh, say one more thing. Yeah. I just want to say one more thing, and it's just kind of my thoughts, and you'll probably hear this again on Sunday, but um, I was I was taught a long time ago that when a pastor or minister leaves a church, you, you go, you kind of, you, you don't you don't look back, you know, and I and I agree with that totally. But a lot of times you you need to go and and don't look back even relationally at a point. And um, you know I feel like this may be a little different there. I feel like God's given me a family in the long run with Crossroads, and I look forward to growing with you. I look forward to celebrating uh, wonderful things with you down the road. And um, I just love you, and we are family, and I'm so thankful for Crossroads. You couldn't say it much better. It's good stuff. You are so amazing, Pastor Robert. Oh, come on. You are. Well, it's you got all the a Lord. Gift, man. It's all the Lord. And um, I promise you that. Because some guys that know me, like Rusty Smith, Keith Johnson, all these guys rolling, they know I'm a dirty, rotten scoundrel. They know it. <laughs> and uh, so. But anyway, love you guys, well, and I will receive that prayer. Yeah, let's we'll we'll pray for him, and uh, if you're if you're listening along, you just let your heart agree with this because mm-hmm. they need our prayers in this season, and in an upcoming, um, man, season of ministry, they need strength. So let's pray. Father God, we give you all the glory and all the praise, and Jesus. Christ, our desires that you be magnified and glorified in our lives, in our ministries, in our efforts, in our families. And we want to pray for Pam and Robert Mullins. And we thank you for their obedience to your call. Thank you for their faith to do things that are uncomfortable as they trust you. And as as we just read, trust in the Lord with all of your heart not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. And Lord, we pray for them that You would give them power, that You would give them power to accomplish and fulfill the ministry that You have for them, that You would give Pastor Robert power and vision to fulfill his ministry. We pray that You, that He would fan into flame the gift that has been given to him, as as uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, that he would fulfill his ministry, Lord, that you would give him strength. We, we remember uh, Isaiah 40, where it says, um, those who wait and those who hope on the Lord will renew their strength. They will, they will soar high on wings like eagles. They will walk and not grow weary. They will run and they won't faint. And Lord, we pray that for them, for strength, for them as, they're, as they transition and for the days ahead that you would you would uh, give Pastor Robert such blessing and and favor as he leads this new team and this ministry. God, that he would bring, that through his leadership, the kingdom of God would continue to be advanced in this area of the world and that pastors would be equipped and encouraged. Lord, we believe you for it, and we do believe that the best days are yet to come. We thank you for your the hope that only you give. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray and believe with faith. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Well, guys, thanks for joining us in today's conversation. And we hope, as always, that you have been encouraged, inspired, and built up in your faith. Until next time. <laughs>